a gay and a non-gay. Two unlikely friends take on the world. In the US, the transgender military ban has now kicked in. Dan and I are obviously furious about that. You can listen to our very special interview with an incredible trans friend of ours called Juno Dawson on Apple Podcasts and Spotify right now. It's called A Gay and A Non-Gay and A Trans. And one of our favourite podcasts at the minute is NB. Yes. It's a BBC Sounds production uh, presented by Caitlin Benedict and Amru who are asking some big questions about gender and identity. Yeah, I really love it. It's a really interesting exploration of what it means to reject gender and be non-binary. And we are delighted to say that Caitlin is joining us on our podcast today for a very special episode of A Gay and A Non-Gay called... A gay and a non-gay and a non-binary. <laughs> yeah, myself and James went to the BBC and we sat down with Caitlin and we had a really good chat with her. Uh, what did you do wrong I... there? <laughs> <laughs> Caitlin is they. I'm glad you picked up on that, James. That's one of the issues that we discuss uh, in this episode of a gay, <laughs> a gay and a non-gay and a non-binary. Welcome to a gay and a non-gay. A gay and a non-gay and a non-binary. I'm going to ask you a very non-gay, possibly <laughs> ignorant question. So apologies in advance. At what point in your life did you realise or question that maybe you weren't the sex that you'd been assigned? I think I went through like waves of knowing and not knowing, if right. that makes sense. Like I think when I was young, I felt more androgynous and I felt more comfortable. And then I felt an extreme distressing traumatic amount of discomfort at going through breast related puberty, you know, turning into huge air quotes here, a woman um, was really, really stressful. I hated it. And I felt really like self-destructive and really awful kind of like churned my way through that and became like a passable teenage girl. And then sort of oscillated back and forth between being quite comfortable and being quite uncomfortable and then a few years ago I cut off my hair and then you know gave myself a cute pixie cut basically and oh my god it was the best thing that I'd ever done and I just felt so free and so myself and I eventually slowly just shed all of this stuff of femininity that I'd put on to myself and realized that none of it actually suited me at all and even then there are ways of being a woman without those accoutrements of femininity but I knew three years ago that it it felt different to me. Is it elements of you feel masculine? Yeah. It's really hard to talk about this because <laughs> the female body, I will do my Margaret Atwood voice here, it's like the female body is the side of all male fantasy. True though, right Dan? I don't know. I get. I, I guess for non-gay cisgender males I suppose. <laughs> I think um, our entire society is set up on the premise that male or masculine bodies are the default body and everything that goes on top of that is femininity so it's really hard to tell what about myself is putting on masculinity and what about myself is just taking off femininity because the feminine body is a marked body and the masculine body is an unmarked body that is a huge generalization and it is uncomplicated way of thinking about it but I don't know what it would feel like to put on masculinity in a society where that was optional. I suppose I'm probably confused and and I don't know if non-binary is what I thought it was which is an odd thing to say because I thought I knew what it was but I feel like I don't now know what it is. Is that weird? Yeah I, I think it's probably good. Is it? I feel really ignorant and like really dumb. What did you think it was? A person that doesn't associate with male or feminine and is in the middle and is not a gender 
at all. So. Uh, <laughs> I'm wrong. I'm so wrong. I think um, the kind of relationship with gender that you're describing is what a lot of people would describe as agender. Like, atypical. Because, like, with a, a trans person, a very simple way of, of looking at that is to say that they were born in the wrong body. Yes. Like, a very simplified version of it would be... Yeah. But it's a nice, like Gino would say, that's a short form for understanding yeah. what it is. And that would help my mum yeah. understand what it is. So what would, <laughs> what would a version of that be in your situation? Can you explain it in layman's terms for James? <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you explain what you think it is? <laughs> oh, he doesn't like that. I'll have a go. I think it's somebody who just rejects the concept of gender. Yeah. Is, yeah. I think that's... Uh... It's slightly closer because it's slightly more vague in a way. Like what I, what I, I know you, you're so you're so stroppy that you haven't won. <laughs> I am. I'm really stroppy. No, you're both right, I reckon, because it's okay. The gay never wins. It's wobbly. It's a nice fluid changing thing. So yeah, gender fluid is a different thing, though. Yeah, but like I would call myself gender fluid. I would call myself gender queer. I wouldn't call myself agender necessarily because I think that I'm. I'm quite excited by some aspects of masculinity and some aspects of femininity. So I'm perhaps oscillating between those two things and at the same time kind of going, God, the whole system's rubbish. I hate it. And what would make me comfortable in the long term, and I think for lots of other non-binary people as well, is to live in a way that people don't think about us gender first. I think that would be great too. Yeah. I think everyone. it would be great for everyone, yeah. That's what I, th I definitely think so. Um, I guess I'm trying to work out whether it's something that you're... Yeah, I guess if you don't feel comfortable with your gender, which is what you said mm. earlier, is that because you're born non-binary? Yeah. Therefore, what Dan just said about rejecting gender doesn't fit with that because that's something you're born with, but you're rejecting it. I don't know, that feels more like flippant to just reject gender like i reject gender but i'm not non-binary do you know what i mean yeah i mean well, i do associate as a he though yeah i think you sort of you sort of know when it makes you so uncomfortable that you want to make a tit out of yourself in public you know that when it got to the point where people were calling me she and i was just going ah, that was the point where i knew i had to like talk about it because i think you are born with whatever gender identity you have but yeah. it might change throughout your life as well and that is okay i think that that's something that's really unacknowledged about for a non-binary person or for all people i think for anyone you know because you might you might be pretty sure but i don't feel pretty sure i feel like i'm going to be at different points on this scale at different points in my life but again, I wouldn't speak for anyone else because I think, you know, some people are really, really sure. A gay and a non-gay and a non-binary. Tell us about this amazing podcast that you're doing with BBC Sounds, NB. It's an eight-part journey, for lack of a less saccharine word. And it's me kind of going through all the questions I thought I would have to ask myself coming out and getting used to living as a non-binary person very publicly uh, so the first episode is all about coming out to yourself the second episode is all about the words and the language the third episode is about the clothes and the way that you dress and present yourself um, and it kind of goes on like that so it's asking one kind of big question per episode and I'm joined by the incredible Amru Alkadi who is a filmmaker a writer a drag performer and like one of the best friends I have got to make. Um, they're really, really incredible and so wise and they've taken me to meet loads of their very interesting non-binary friends and we just have these conversations 
that I think are really special because they're happening between non-binary people. A gay and a non-gay and a non-binary. I love Christine and the Queens a lot. And, Same. And Chris. She can absolutely do what she wants to me. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, like, same. And yep. I am a six on the Kinsey scale and fully gay. <laughs> but Chris isn't non-binary, right? Not as far as I know. But she's rejecting gender at the moment in her music. Yeah. I think she's got an incredibly interesting relationship with it. Um, and she's performing it in such an interesting way. Yeah. But this is something that I find really interesting as well. That I'm not going to say it's easy for anyone, but there is a a straightforward path to expressing complicated ideas about gender when you're a performer. And I'm quiet. Like, I'm, a, I'm an indoors person and I am not used to having to, like, have these conversations myself. I'm, like, a re retweeter of other people's ideas in general. And I think people like Chris are being able to experiment with this so publicly and, like, have these discussions. And, like, this podcast is also allowing all of that stuff to come out but i think for a lot of people they don't have like an outlet for yeah. all of that well at the moment you don't like being called she how does he feel i don't you have you ever felt more of a he no i don't think so okay i think i don't mind some kind of masculine forms of expression i guess like i think people call me dude a lot and i don't mind that at all but I wouldn't ever call myself a man. But that's kind of more out of respect for trans men than anything else. Like, I know I'm not a trans man. Right. <laughs> you know. So gays often refer to each other as she. Do you, what do you think of that? Well, this is... I've discussed this with uh, Jamie Windust, who um, identifies as non-binary and uh, uses they, but often refers to themselves as she in yeah. the third person. Like, oh, she thinks she's yeah, doing yeah, this yeah. again or whatever, yeah. Yeah, because, you know... Don't take yourself so fucking seriously, probably. Like, it's fine. No one's going to put you in, like, queer prison for that, right? <laughs> I do get worried about it. Yeah. Um, and again, mainly because we use it when we're doing something that is less manly and is considered more feminine. Like, oh, she's bought a new outfit, for example, is, is a version of that. So mm. it does worry me that it's used when we're being feminine. So are we not playing into gender stereotypes by saying she? I think intent matters a lot with those things. Um, yeah. And I also think that playing is good. A gay and a non-gay and a non-binary. So we did an episode called A Gay and a Non-Gay and a Trans with uh, Juno Dawson. At the back of it, my friend texted me saying, oh, the episode's amazing. Just so you know, my partner, who I took to be her boyfriend for quite some time, is non-binary. And she just said, I can't be bothered to tell anyone else. <laughs> and I'm just wondering whether that goes on a lot of people who don't fit into the gender spectrum, but just can't be bothered. Yeah. With I think the hassle of does. having to explain to people. And I think it's easier now than it ever has been because as much as the big hyper nuanced discussion about uh, the terminology we use and the pronouns and genderqueer versus gender fluid, all of those sort of things. At least we have words for it now. We are creating a world in which you can describe yourself if you are one of those things. And I really super, super empathize with someone who cannot be bothered because I just don't, I never wanted people to like 
look at me full stop <laughs> you know yeah um and to be kind of like known and l- looked at in that way is scary yeah and you have to put yourself out there and that's kind of what i was saying about um being a performer as well that if you're if you're a natural performer then you've got a way of expressing yourself sure um and if you're a quiet little weirdo like i am and possibly your friend is like you just Sometimes you can't be bothered. It's interesting if, if you describe yourself as you, di- as you did as a, a quiet weirdo. Can you be bothered if, if somebody refers to you as a she or misgenders you or disrespects you? Sometimes intentionally, but often not. A, do you do anything about it? And B, if you do, where do you find the strength to do that? If you'd rather, as you sort of alluded to, just go home. <laughs> um, I don't correct people 100% of the time right. with people who know my pronouns and get them wrong because they're not thinking about it I correct them every third time I just keep a little tick 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 in my right. head Interesting. Um, I subtweet about people I work with constantly <laughs> hoping that they will read it and feel embarrassed <laughs> and do they? it's not been very successful so far but on the respect thing I think um, well two things one I'm really fighty so if someone intentionally disrespects me then I will get in a row with them probably because that is how I am. But again, is so much about intention. And there's this really, really amazing quote from Leslie Feinberg, who's like an early sort of transgender pioneer theorist activist. And Leslie says, people have misgendered me with the best will in the world. And people have used the words that I like to describe me uh, myself and not shown me any respect. So it's all it's all about respect. And, you know, people get it wrong, and that's fine. But then also, if people are being assholes, I will tell them that they're being assholes as much as I can while still working for the BBC. <laughs> so obviously your pronoun is they yep. and them. Do you ever get confused by that as well? Yeah, I've certainly got other people's pronouns wrong. And because I know how it feels, I also know how to respond to it, which is just go sorry correct yourself move on not like get into a whole thing about it and not be like this really stems back from five years ago when I was talking (laughs) to this thing and blah 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 and I know another Caitlin and she uses she so I just thought and I didn't think about it I'm like I don't don't care I don't care I just just don't care that much that's interesting because your name is mostly associated with feminine like girl she so does that cause you problems Do do you relate to your name I've sort of never related to it I used my surname which is a boy's first name. I, my name now is Benedict, but I actually changed it when I got married because I really thought that my partner's surname was awesome and mine was boring because my maiden name, I guess, lol. <laughs> There's a gendered word for yeah. you. My knee was Kenny and loads of my friends called me Kenny. Basically, everyone called me Kenny. And then I changed my surname to Benedict and now my friends call me Benny. Ah, interesting. Yeah. And so you realised that you were non-binary before or after your marriage? And can we talk about that? Is that too personal? Yeah, no, no. Um, I've been out as queer... I'm a, I'm a three on the Kinsey scale. Oh, wow, um, you're way in, way in the middle. I sort of rock slightly, but um, also I'm married now and I'm very old and I don't have time to think about the Kinsey scale anymore. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I'm, my partner has known that I was queer our entire lives. Like, we met at high school. And, Cute. And then, yeah, I did come out after we got married, but I'm not really a different person, so he's been very good. His mother has been to... Uh, some uh, stonewall sessions in Sydney. Really? Yeah, she's really adorable. 
That's I mean, really cute. She did basically corner me on a boat that was literally moving that I could not get off to tell me that she wanted to talk about my gender with me. But apart from that, she's been wonderful. <laughs> wow, they do that, don't they, straight people? Yeah. Sometimes they just really want to, really... they want you to know they're okay with it. Yeah. And it's so stressful. Yeah. Because it's like, <laughs> I don't care if you are or not. Yeah. <gasps> also, like, I'm awkward. I need at least a 12-hour warning for these conversations. <laughs> I need to pump myself up for it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, my stepmom has done that to me also. Anyway, it's a lot. But um, I'm really pleased to hear that you're, like, happy. When you got married, was that a gendered wedding? It was pretty ungendered. Um, so I didn't wear white. I did wear a dress because my sister bought me a dress on the internet without... Uh, really waiting for me to say okay but it was very nice it was like blue and had some patterns on it and I wore a really scuffy old pair of brown leather boots was it like you may now kiss the bride or I now pronounce you husband and wife that kind of thing or it was introducing the benedicts that's really cool I loved it um I mean actually planning a wedding is like the closest thing to coming out that I've done in a weird way because what I realized planning a wedding is like, oh, this is steeped in so much gendered nonsense and so much patriarchal, incredibly homophobic history. I don't want to participate in any of that. I do, however, want to be married to this person. Let's go through every wedding tradition and decide on a case-by-case basis what actually works for us. Can you write a blog about that so to help other gay people? Or queer people yeah. because I feel like that's something that it's so important. would be really helpful. I think it would be useful for non-gays also to have like a guide to how to make it less bullshit. Yeah, the thing that really, really stuck out for me at the time was we got married in Australia, which at the time um, didn't have marriage equality. And as a queer person, it was really, really important to me that we somehow made our wedding as kind of queer friendly as possible so our celebrant was a lesbian and she really understood how important it was to us because in Australia up until last year you had to say as part of your wedding ceremony the Australian government defines marriage as the union between one man and one woman to the exclusion of all others forevermore that is the only legal thing you have to say to be married. So backwards. Yeah, it's the only legally binding part of the ceremony up until... So you had to say that? Our celebrant said it and put on one side. The couple would like to say that the following message does not come forward with their <laughs> blessing. And then at the end, you know, we said some stuff about, like, this is a horribly backward system and it's not something that we support. <laughs> I feel like there'll be lots of people listening to this and also to your podcast, NB, that want advice on how to tell people if they don't feel that they are a male or a female, if they're also non-binary. What's your best advice to like people that want to be able to talk about that? My best tip, actually, is that you don't have to be out to everyone at once. You start with the people you really trust. Do you know what I did? I actually started with someone who it mattered a bit less with someone who I really trusted but who hadn't known me since I was since I had long hair basically who would sort of either deal with it or not deal with it and it wouldn't be the end of the world and he was really amazing um and completely understood it and then lent me so much strength to be able to have that conversation with other people and I very very slowly came out to people face to face over text message 
in a group chat eventually you know anyone I hadn't got to I was like hey guys and I've got these like paragraph long whatsapps of me going hi just in case you haven't picked up on my lame jokes that I've been making for the last six months I no longer identify as female and these are my pronouns but it's chill if you don't get them right because I guess that none of you have ever used they and them to refer to someone before I think that that is a really nice way to do it. The idea that you have to be out to everyone at once is such a, like, binary idea in its own way. (laughs) And as long as you explain to the people who are close to you that, you know, if they want to refer to you using old pronouns in public up until the point where you're comfortable with everyone knowing, then that's fine. Or they can avoid using pronouns. Yeah, my partner just calls me Caitlin constantly like Caitlin will do this Caitlin's over here Caitlin's going over there what does Caitlin think (laughs) so that he doesn't have to use they yeah because how would you refer to your husband wife boyfriend girlfriend if they are non-binary we don't have a non-binary word other than partner yeah I quite like partner because you know it could be your spouse or it could be the person you do crimes with. And that's kind of nice. <laughs> Personally, I wouldn't use the term partner for my girlfriend because I, <laughs> I feel it's very adult. Yeah, it is adult. I don't identify as an adult. Yeah. So I find horribly grown up terms like that I wouldn't use them personally people say significant other as well I do like that actually I like that one my dad used to call my boyfriends special friends he'd be like he still does this have you met a special friend yet is that because he's uncomfortable with saying boyfriend I always felt like it was but he has since told me that he is just uncomfortable with talking about anyone's relationship I mean that's very fair and I do believe that that's true he doesn't want to know about my sister's love life either really um, Does he call their boyfriends special friends? No. <laughs> One dad get Good with question. It. Yeah. Good question. A gay and a non-gay and a non-binary. Uh, what advice have you got then for someone that's struggling with gender identity? Think about all the tiny little things. Think about whether you would prefer to wear flat shoes all the time. Think about whether skirts should still be part of your wardrobe. Think about how being called she makes you feel. Think about whether you would like to use MX instead of Ms or Mr. Or think about whether you might change your pronouns on Facebook to they. Do Do you use MX? Yeah. You do? Yeah, where I can. Um, Sometimes there is no option, so sometimes I use Brigadier where there's no MX, which sometimes there is Brigadier but no MX, which is about the British class system. Brigadier, is that not military? Yeah. Oh, right. That's so weird. I'm not actually a brigadier, don't worry. Doesn't matter, right? No. <laughs> you I mean, can be whoever you want to be. The only one that I feel awkward about using is doctor. Okay. But I have been reverend before, which is probably actually... <laughs> is that a crime, impersonating a member of the clergy? I don't know. I think that's funny. I don't like it when I get asked my gender when I'm filling in, like, just even something as basic as a Wi-Fi form. Yeah, like, like fuck, fuck off. Fuck, why do you have to know whether I'm male or female? So, so that no... they can sell you either high heels or sneakers so here's another question in terms of clothing why is a dress gendered and how is that a reflection of a non-binary person's identity because i kind of struggle to understand that because i i don't think clothing should be gendered anyway no and but it is right yeah so is that why it triggers really interesting conversations about this and i think the simplest answer to that is that when you wear a dress in public you are perceived as wearing girl clothes It doesn't make them girl clothes, but Eddie Izzard in, like, 15 years ago was talking about they're not women's dresses, they're my dresses, therefore they're a man's dress. So I think, you know, we have to do some large architectural work on society's perception of dresses is the answer. (laughs) But no, dresses aren't gendered. I mean, I don't like wearing dresses, but that's because 
you know, I don't wear very stable underpants most of the time, and I want something else covering up my private parts. <laughs> you know, but like, yeah, yeah, I brought that into the chat. Nice and late. <laughs> Everyone's feeling comfortable. <laughs> I'm just thinking. So I love a, a band called No Effects, and their singer is a person called Fat Mike, and he wears dresses on stage a lot. And when I was growing up, it never ever occurred to me that he was non-binary. I just thought he was doing it because he thought it was funny. But yeah. it's only in the last year when I've read his book that I've realised, oh, I just thought it was like a big lull for him to, 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 to wear a dress. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? Because it's also like, if you think about someone like Barry Humphreys, Dame Edna, that's kind of like bawdy, 70s comedy, man in a dress character. That's not non-binary. That's like just a bit disrespectful. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's all part of having a bigger conversation about gender, but some of those aspects of the conversation are shit quite frankly when you were growing up in australia is there anyone who you could relate to in the in the media in the mainstream media that that you could identify with as being similar to i mean i really strongly identified with david bowie which i right, think is yeah, a, course, like a common yeah. tale um for people assigned female at birth and people assigned male at birth like it's a real um, the point at which we meet. I don't love David Bowie like I did when I was a teenager because, quite frankly, I've heard enough about his personal life to like not be that into him. But that expression of fun and yeah. dresses and makeup and big weird trousers and waistcoats that are really tight and all of that sort of genuine gender fuckiness that he embodied was so exciting. Yeah. I don't yeah. know if there was anyone Australian in the same way. Well, when I was growing up, I mean, I, I obviously identify as non-gay and cisgender, so I'm coming at it from You're different... You're non-non-binary. <laughs> yeah, I'm non-non-binary. But someone like Brian Molko from Placebo... Oh, my God, I love Brian Molko. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, he's fucking with everyone with this. Yeah. Maybe someone like Marilyn Manson as well. With Marilyn Manson, it's like a shock tactic. Yeah, it's a grotesque and like the really traditional sense of the word. Yeah. I, lo- I love Marilyn Manson as well because his music is really camp and people didn't realize how camp it was at the time because it seemed like full of blood and guts and whatever but it's really it's glam rock yeah it is it's a whole different generation of glam rock but thinking about Marilyn Manson and Placebo as successes to David Bowie actually I think they are absolutely playing on the same ideas oh yeah absolutely especially on something like mechanical animals i mean that mm. whole album is sorry yes <laughs> i know i'm like what is happening yeah, can we talk about lady gaga or carly Jepsen? in high school please <laughs> if you were like a weird goth who had no friends in high school you would understand what we were talking okay, about okay got it i feel like there's just so many questions isn't there to go in on i feel like all i do as well is go that's an interesting question let me tell you why i'm not going to answer it i know that's like what's the worst question you've had Oh, this is great because it means we don't have to ask it. Well, it is the like, so are you going to chop off your tits question? Really? Yeah, I just sort of think. I don't think I asked you that. No, no, you, I, you didn't. kind of brought it up, so I asked. Yeah, you yeah, about no, it. you didn't ask it. I'm just that wouldn't have been a question I would have even assumed would be relevant. Actually, yeah. people occasionally are like, so do you like pegging or whatever? I'm pegging, like... what's that again? Why are you asking me? What? Because I, I know that it's a straight. I've heard straight men say it before. Is it wearing a um, a strap on? Yeah. Well, so shouldn't I... anyone do that? Why is that specifically for a non-binary person? Well, great question. Also, uh, I'm not going to answer that. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be up for it. <laughs> I think. 
Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like you could, I, well, you could have two. <laughs> Great. Cool. I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> in terms of trans rights and transphobia in the UK right now and around the world, that's very heightened. And Juno describes that as the forest fire that needs attention. Yeah. How does it feel being non-binary? Is there any kind of non-binary phobicness going on in the press? Do you see that a lot? Well, they're not really exclusive, are they? So presumably it must be just as upsetting for yourself to, to see all this transphobic stuff going on in the British press. That's not, like, exclusive to trans people, is it? Well, it's not. No, I'm upset by it also, but I'm wondering whether yeah. there is a specific form of, of phobia towards non-binary. You're right. It It is upsetting whoever it happens to, but what has been incredibly eye-opening for me is to see almost every single guest that we've had on the podcast has talked about real strategic harassment that they've had from various groups um, and from various people and and it's you know organized hate and it's really horrifying and I feel like you know I'm a small enough fish to not have experienced any of it firsthand and the thing that is really obvious as well is that trans women and trans feminine people are the bogeyman in that transphobic narrative and yeah it's really upsetting it's really upsetting. We're just collateral ja- damage in the absolute quest against trans women, I yeah. think. Also, I think a, a transgender person is easier to pick on in the sense that the moral majority kind of understands what a transgender person is, whereas they have no idea what a non-binary person is. Yeah, so it's well, very they... easy to target the transgender mm-hmm. community. It's also about like very literal visibility that you probably walk past a whole bunch of trans men, you probably flirted with trans men in bars, you know, and not known it because transition for trans men is so effective. They say that estrogen and feminizing hormones are like a delicate little tool and testosterone is like a fucking axe. You know, it really hits you really fast and you pass really quickly for trans women passing is really really difficult really expensive and not everyone wants to do it but you know the visibility of trans women as being something that people can't wrap their heads around is yeah i feel like i took us on a turn there that (laughs) that probably wasn't necessary because now we're coming to an end and then we're on like a really dark note yeah but that is i mean that's the truth of it yeah they're the ones who cop it Mm. well we need to look after them so earlier you mentioned mx as a title and i think i know what that is but what is it <laughs> uh mx is a gender neutral uh title that you can use instead of mr or ms or miss and it doesn't really have a phonetic uh value like you say mix or whatever but it's really designed to be written down because like who actually needs titles no one's ever going to call you miss in a any sort of situation anymore are they yeah we're not, you know, the Dashwoods. <laughs> I thought it was interesting in the podcast, actually, when um, the, the whole discussion emerged about the use of Mr. and Mrs. and Sir, mm. these terms that date back to the class system. And yeah. It's bizarre that people still in a shop or in a restaurant or in a bar will still refer to the male as Sir mm. because that dates back from working class people having to defer up to the middle classes who are the only people who could afford to go out and eat <laughs> occasionally occasionally you walk into a, a, a fancy shop where you look like me and people think you're probably going to shoplift but like when someone goes oh hello madam i'm like oh gross on two counts i'm not enjoying this at all 
I used to work in John Lewis and I don't know what the official guidance was, but the, the dumb thing would be to approach a male customer as sir and mm. a female customer as madam. And yeah, you would refer to, can you can you help this lady over here? Can you help this male over there? Just a cringe. I often do voiceovers for like charity events and stuff. And the, the script always begins with ladies and gentlemen. Mm. And I don't do that anymore. I just say, hi, everyone. <laughs> but it's so weird saying that because it's not very formal and can almost make you jump. Because yeah. you're so used to hearing... Ladies and gentlemen, gentlemen. to just go, hello, is very imposing. Yeah, but I think hopefully we're getting to a stage where we don't want any of that formality, whether it's gendered or not, because it's so awkward. Mm. Okay, British people, what the fuck are you all on? Your class system. (laughs) I mean, Australia is not great in terms of socioeconomic dexterity or whatever the fuck the term is. But (laughs) Jesus Christ, Britain, get your shit together. It's so ridiculous. I mean, I don't know if I agree with you on that, because if you were in France right now, you would have a whole host. Don't care. You'd have a whole host of other issues with gendered words and pronouns, because literally a word is gendered, not even just a he or she. It's like... I, don't, I can't think of an example because I didn't really do French. Or any word. But any word, right, is yeah. Yeah, gendered yeah. specifically and changed depending on who you're speaking to. But then there are some languages in which there are no gendered That would be so much better. Yeah. I just I kind of worry about non-binary and trans people in in France. <laughs> I think yeah. about this a lot. This keeps me up at night because I'm like, how do they survive the day without being gendered when they're just ordering a baguette? Which is a male, a masculine word, I think. Of course is it, it is. I believe so, yeah. Look at the but shape un- of a baguette. Tell me the French <laughs> haven't called that a un- boy. baguette. Le baguette. Well, I'm off to get one now. No, it's feminine. Caitlin, it was wonderful and lovely to chat to you. It's Thank you for you. being so open and honest. I super appreciate it. And um, you guys need to check... Oh, sorry. <laughs> Y'all need to check out... See? Um, if we lived in the South, nothing would be just. <laughs> you Y'all should check out, out NB, um, which is currently available on the BBC Sounds app. Thanks so much for chatting to us, Caitlin. Thanks for um, having me. Anything else you want to plug? promote I'm not allowed to plug anything I work for the BBC mate <laughs> you're allowed to peg anything, yeah. peg anything. that's rude what? actually <laughs> I'm sure that won't go in find us on your socials at gay non gay listen at gay non gay or just search non gay at your fave pod app